Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, we have a large group conversation about Native American issues, including doing away with the word Indian once and for all, beginning with the Bureau of Indian Affairs, the troubling mystery of disappearing Native women, historical trauma, Solving healthcare and economic problems on reservations can have a spillover effect for the entire country. All while the clandestine band brings positivity to a negative world. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, Batten down the hatches and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. So this is episode 175. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 175, brought to you by Onnit, O-N-N-I-T, Human yes. Optimization. Uh, there was a seamless flow into it. Big giant thank you to Onnit. Onnit has been so damn awesome to us. Uh, Rich today gets to take home some of the goodies that he placed the order brain for. Instant. I'm Alpha, telling you. Alphabet Instant is amazing. And they have so much other good stuff. So oh, again, yes. I don't want to bug you guys with too many plugs. Just check it out. Even if you do nothing, you know, you never written a Drunken Taoist review, never donated, never anything. Check out on the product, onnit.com forward slash Taoist. Check out all the websites we're recommending. Take five minutes and yeah. click around. These folks are helping us bring this to you, including our good friends at Sure Design T-shirts. Most definitely. The, the ghost of Bennett continues in the world. Yeah, those guys are great. You know, some of these guys took over the operations. They do lots of great things for people in Thailand. They make these amazing T-shirts. I had actually the other day on Instagram, some lady started saying, you make the best T-shirts ever. And I realized I, you're not really talking. She thought I was the owner of Shore Design or something. Out, out, in, out in the barn with some I didn't have the heart to tell her and... that wasn't the case. Oh, so there's no reason. Kept... Don't shatter these no, things. No, this exactly. woman, imagine what would happen if she had gone home without enough alpha brain to deal with that. That would have been sad. So, sure design t-shirts, incredible. And it's not just t-shirts, man. It's dresses. Pants, everything. All sorts of... If you need to put an MC Hammer look together, they can make <laughs> that happen go, for you. right? But they can do t-shirts, too, with onks and all sorts of ganeshes, all sorts of nifty friends Hippie from the paradise. alternate, alternate uh, thought yes. processors of the world that must be dealt with immediately. Indeed, the hippie paradise. We got grasslandbeef.com. Rich is about to eat some because that also came in. So products are in the freezer for you. We barely survived a blackout the other day, uh, but they are still good. So life. it's there. Kiva.org, sure. $145,000 in loans from your fellow listeners. Come join us. $25 a month. You can help somebody buy a cow. You can help somebody in the United States or you can help them around the world. I think I think I've... Loans in 70 countries now. That's And the payback rate is above 97%. And it's worth a try, and it's a great way to help people out. And, you know, 
212 of your fellow listeners have got us to that incredible number, and we invite you to, to join us. Team Drunken Dallas, Kiva.org. Help a stranger. Beautiful. And uh, last but not least, shout out to NeverTapGear.com with the glorious Tomoy Gozen Rush Guard, with knee braces for when you work out and you don't want to pop your joints. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu Journal, which is a great product. At some point, I should talk about it a little more in depth because it's a pretty cool thing. More things will be coming up. Check them out. They are awesome and they support Savannah, so I like them. I like them too. Interview time. Yes. Okay, guys, here we go. Let's go play. So today we have a very full table here. There are lots of chairs that may be squeaking as we move around and adjust because it's not just the me and Rich episode. Actually, good old Rich couldn't make it today, so he's not going to be on this episode. Um, but there's a very large table and I'm going to have uh, everybody do their own introductions because otherwise I know I'm going to screw them up royally and beat myself for it. So since I'm not into self-flagellation, I would rather skip that. So let's go around the table. Aho, Mutakiyase. Zuyo Wawako Mieilo. How are you, Daniele? My name is Kano. Juan Kano Sanchez. And it's very much an honor to be here and... Uh, Sending out good energy, sending out good vibes through the microphone, the computer, the satellite to your home or to the smartphone in your hand. Thank you so much. Uh, hi, um, my name is uh, Vaughn Setian and um, I work uh, within Indian country as a tribal consultant. Uh, I'm the authorized agent within the Navajo Nation and I'm a healthcare economic development advisor. I work with physicians, I work with uh, the government at the state level, at the federal level, um, to bring hope to Native America. Mm -hmm. At the same time, to bring hope to the geriatric population, uh, to bring cancer treatments and, and cures uh, to places where they can't uh, have any solution whatsoever. So I'm kind of trying to spearhead an economic revolution. Um, with with my friends here, uh, within native country and Canada, to to make sure they they thrive and, and prosper. So mm -hmm. that's basically what I do. Hey, my name's uh, Andrew Ayers. I am from Canada, and so have uh, some contacts up there that are Indigenous, uh, First Nation as we call them, and um, I come from a place where. Uh, you know, mining is big, oil and gas is big, um, resource extraction and use is really big, and have witnessed firsthand and, you know, looked at the history of how First Nations up there have been not part of the deal in mm -hmm. some of those situations. So just like Dr. Vaughn here, I'm uh, very um, enthusiastic in support for American Indians and First Nations in Canada for getting um, economic uh, self-sustainability and um, just here to help uh, specifically on on energy initiatives and, mm -hmm. and healthcare with herbology um, such as hemp and, and cannabis and nutraceuticals. Beautiful. 
And my name's David A. Montour, a.k.a. That Damn Artist. It's <laughs> a good a.k.a. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm a musician and artist, and I play with the band Clandestine. Been around for a moment, and um, looking forward to a lot of the things that are happening within uh, the sphere of influence, and uh, glad to be a part of it. Sweet. Thank you guys for the intros, much appreciated, and thank you for making the drive. These guys have just arrived here, put some water in front of them. They've been in the car for like almost six hours, so they are troopers. That's uh, <laughs> that's probably the longest anybody has driven to yeah. sit down for a well, podcast with me, so that's a, that's a solid long drive right pleasure. there. Our pleasure. Um, so we can take it in a many, many different direction, of course, because mm-hmm. I'm sure once we start jumping into topics, there are going to be 10,000 things that we're all passionate about. Mm-hmm. So I want this to be really a podcast for you guys, where you get to put forward anything that you are working on, that you are interested in, that you want other people to be aware of. And so wherever you guys want to start, I'm absolutely game and then we roll from there. So if there's any particular topic that you guys want to jump in with, I'm all for it. Well, I uh, introduced myself in Lakota. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family and friends know me as Kano, mm-hmm. right? My federal legal name, if right. you will, is Juan Sanchez. But as I've traveled the world, and you heard Dave mention clandestine, we're with a group clandestine, a Native American music group, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, we call it a music group by proxy, I suppose, because we hold guitars and we sing and we, we play music. But ultimately, uh, we're following footsteps that have been walked before by many people, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really good to be here. Uh, I spoke, and when I said how, you know, mm-hmm. it's a hello, I'm Lakota. I'm, I'm Sue, if you will. And when I say, I told you my name, my name is Peaceful Warrior. And I greeted all my relations. That's each one of you. That's each person listening. That's each insect. Mm -hmm. That's each animal being affected by this energy. And being here as part of the band Clandestine, the group Clandestine, we've had the the honor, I guess, the work ethic to be able to travel around and play music to many people Mm -hmm. and influence. And our goal was to, uh, not to influence you, and to change your essence, but to empower your essence. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about being Native people. We're, we're Native American. I'm Lakota, right? Inherently from this land. And when David and I, that damn artist, met, and some of the philosophies we talked was, the simple goal was to take the listener somewhere for five minutes, three minutes during that song. No matter where you're from, whatever human being whatever race population you come from, you know, there was a time that we all sat around a fire. And that fire was our source of warmth, our source of light, source of safety, entertainment, if you, if you will, even. We told stories. That's where we gathered. Mm-hmm. And as time's gone, clandestine, the group, has been able to carry our tribal fires, our essence, and make a lot of people smile, make a lot of happiness, bring a lot of... Uh, positive things to a a world that can be negative right right if you perceive it and i just wanted to open up by saying you know when i when i address the world all my relations i truly mean it uh we're in a time where uh so many differences are bringing are brought forth you know in media and entertainment when 
as I sit through and, and as clandestine traveled the world, the biggest thing I've realized is that home fire that our, all of our cultures, all of our people sat around for warmth, we're all still searching for it. Oh, big time. Right? And I commend the podcast world. I commend any common man opening up a microphone, a camera, and speaking. We have a really unique ability and an opportunity in this time to come together. Mm-hmm. You know, for us to drive six hours, Dave and I, we better drive six hours. <laughs> we have a nice vehicle. Our, our, our people, my Lakota ancestors and relatives, they rode, they rode six hours, right? And we know historically right. that was some of the things we want to address today is there's differences, but really it leads us back to the similarities, you know, and as a, a Lakota man, it is my duty to get in a car. I'm comfortable. Our ancestors, all of us, they they hauled carts. They rode horses. They walked. Right. This level of time, this these distances just to get food, to get water, to get warmth, comfort. So, man, to be able to just be here and, and meet you, mm-hmm. Danielli, and to discuss... Uh, energy, human being things, and that home fire. Because I'm the first one to say I'm I'm carrying a a, a very old bundle, a, a sacred pipe, if you will. But I'm the first one to promote. Hey, get in touch with your friends on Facebook. Right. Do a Twitter post. Do a YouTube video, like like Doctor said down here. We've shared and and put common information because that information may not be common to your neighbor. Absolutely. And as I've heard your your podcast mm-hmm. and the information, I've been very empowered <coughs> and very uh, inspired to share uh, the knowledge that I've had, knowing that each of us in communication is is the essence of utopia, mm-hmm. right? We all want to find right. that nirvana. I love that. I love that. No, and it's. Um, I think it's like one theme that I've hammered on quite a few times already in other episodes and somehow I always find the way back there regarding what you said and also regarding what you do with the whole theme of suicide prevention like one of the themes that we have hammered on a lot is that there's the paradox of living in the United States today where you have probably the most affluent nation on earth ever and at the same time rates of depression and suicide that are off the charts mm-hmm. and he's like wait what this is supposed to be success why this does not look like success how, how does it translate to these people being this miserable when in theory it should be land of plenty all of that stuff and one of the and of course there are many reasons for it but one of the themes that we hammer on is that lack of uh, community uh, loneliness primarily mm-hmm. You know, the fact that today the lifestyle that has evolved in the U.S. is very, you know, mother, father, two and a half kids, a white picket fence, lock the door, and you are, you know, you take a job across the country, you leave all the people you know you grew up with. It's just very work-driven and it's not very community-driven. Mm-hmm. And the point is, that's not as human beings how we're wired. You know, as human beings, who are wired for that connection. Yeah, we're social animals. You know, without yeah. it, we go nuts. Without it, it messes with our heads. Without yeah. it, it's something that 
is clearly not the only but one of the factors that that's at the roots of like many mental health issues much of depression and everything like that mm -hmm. lack of community is a big one mm -hmm. and so in that sense when you bring that up i'm like yep that's exactly that's exactly how i see it you yeah. know i feel very much the same way yeah i was i always like to um hear the story kind of says when we're on stage sometimes about the drum the drum beat mm -hmm. yeah uh the band Clandestine is is a band. We we're a rock band, man. We can open for Guns N' Roses and we can we can rock out, but we can also bring the state of energy to the beginning of time. We can play a drum, we can play a flute and understand that these tones are inherently never going to stop. <laughs> Scientifically, you make a noise, that noise will continue to mm -hmm. that energy wave continues to fly. And we've been taught that inherently. And one of the things that I've, I've gathered as we've traveled and met with different cultures and, and was humbled is, man, the first song that we all hear, the first beat, the first rhythm is the beat of our mother's heart. Mm -hmm. That's the same in every human being, mm -hmm. every one of us. That's the first song we hear. And it's... Yep. obviously our favorite song inherently right we want to live and with that beat of the heart when you listen to native drums uh, native meaning any indigenous community go to any continent we have a similar beat mm -hmm. right and it's it's that heartbeat just listen to your your heart and then the gentleman next to you or the lady next to you she shares that heartbeat it's a song that we're all singing 24 hours a day <laughs> And like you said, clandestine is we being rock stars, if you will. And, and I have to give David A. Montour props. He's, he's AKA that damn artist because he's created monumental sculptures. Mm -hmm. You can see his work uh, life size and above. Very beautiful artwork. Look up, just Google that damn artist mm -hmm. and you'll see some amazing creations. And uh, being Native American, just by proxy, we followed this cultural structure right david created this band i met david he was a mentor to me mm -hmm. right and in native way hey he taught me a lot of things he became another uncle another father he befriended my family and we become hunka mm -hmm. we went through ceremony we are officially the same right we're one and the thing is is we're all one even before we declare that right and so you move into where when you talk about us sharing that beat, that rhythm. Before we are influenced by information, we just hear that rhythm and our blood flows. You know, and, and as native people, we, we definitely have traveled around and there's all these things we can talk about and we will. But one of the important things is, man, communication, information. Mm -hmm. The facts of what really happened yesterday are important to today. What do you guys think is about human nature? Because what you're saying makes perfect sense and it's true, right? So in theory, it should be easy, right? right? We should do easy communicate. You meet somebody, you click, you help each other out, all of that. Mm. When you look at most of the time we've been around, that's not how most humans work, mm -hmm. right? There's if you just spend three minutes on a YouTube uh, comment section, you quickly get a different vision of humanity, right? right? It's like, yeah. 
people seem to be really quick at wanting to argue. There's factionalism everywhere. There's like people who have similar ideas, but they are a tiny bit different. So we need to kill each other over a tiny bit that's right. different. And there's, you know, there seem to be, if you look at like the story of like most of uh, ruling families across the globe or any they end up with, you know, brothers killing each other in the name of some power that, like, look, if you are the second in command, you still have a lot of power. What the hell is, like, why do you have to <laughs> do all this stuff? To, why do you need to... Ma- so there seems to be some really odd stuff in our psyche that clashes with the other part, which is the one you're describing, that just as true, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like that's not true, that is true. So why do we... What is it about us that we seem to gravitate toward conflict, clashing, struggle for power? In that essence of human beingness or, or questioning, what makes us tick? Right. Right. That's some of the essence has pushed us into, you know, Native American group clandestine. We've, we've traveled around and, and gaming definitely changed our career. Right. right? Back in 90, 1995, tribes were starting gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, clandestine travel and we did a lot of grand openings for casinos around the country and and in that we were empowered and we saw a lot of native people have money that never had money before we saw a lot of things and we created a non-profit you know my background Kano is I've worked in behavioral health my parents are both educators Mm -hmm. uh, have done just a myriad of hours of community service you know uh and so as we've traveled and we noticed that, that inherent human beingness, yep. right? Humans, inherently, we have love in our hearts and we're searching for love. But get me and Dave in a room together and write a song and we're still going to compete. We're right. still going to push for that song. Well, Dave, no, we got to do this phrase this way. Right. And... In learning that, hey, even us being as as humble as we can to each other, we're still going to butt heads and mm-hmm. try to take the power, right? Take mm-hmm. that that power, that ego thing, right? And it's it's really interesting, and that has driven us to, I think, inspired us through seeing what what is needed. Music is a healing tool. Right? It's a it's a language. Music is a, a, a spirit, if you will. It can, it's a gift. It's a language that brings us together. It could be magical as it changes space and time. And that's inspired us to eventually create Operation Peace. As you mentioned, suicide prevention, mm-hmm. 501c3, utilizing music, arts, entertainment, media, and movies and events as a means to bolster awareness and prevention of suicide. Yeah, because that's, I mean, especially... That applies to everybody, of course. But when you look at native community, you know, really high percentage of suicide compared to most, just about any other ethnic group in the U.S. And there are plenty of suicides among others. So that tells you that percentage is really high. Yeah. Um, how do you guys begin to tackle something like that? Because clearly that's, some, you know, when you look at something like suicide prevention, you're not looking at a simple problem. You're not saying, uh, just throw enough money at it and the problem will solve itself. It's something where there are probably 10,000 different factors that affect it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, from the stuff we're talking about in terms of contact with loneliness, contact with yeah. community, from uh, nutrition, from, you know, mental health clearly is not a one uh, solution type of thing sure. because the causes behind it 
you can go on alone, never mind all the history behind it. And there's a whole history, which of course will affect some people in a very heavy way. Yeah. And there's uh, that's when people are kind of like, ah, just get over it. The past is the past. It's like, no, the past is still very much right. lived through people's lives today. Yeah. Because whether they were there or not, whether they knew about that event or not, has been passed on from their great-grandparents, how they reacted, how it affected them, how they raised their kids, and how those kids raised their kids, and so on and so forth. So how do you guys tackle something like that? Like, what are the the things, what are the tools that you use to try to make a difference in that regard? Well, I've I've worked in behavioral health for many years. I've uh, worked with uh, youth, you know, all the way from five-year-olds all the way to 18 and and adults and into geriatrics in the psych uh, setting psych hospital mm-hmm. setting and also in a counseling setting and in my observation and even talking to experts like you said we really don't know mm-hmm. as a society as a as as the experts in the medical field in the psychiatric field we're still questioning and so when you ask us what do we do one thing is is i've really tried to avoid defining it for one, because we have, as a society, as a culture, we've pushed a lot of money annually. There's, it's sure. in the billion-dollar range that uh, suicide affects our economy. Right. So as being a simple musician and thinking about what, what was our goal with Clandestine? Man, in that three-minute song, we wanted to change a reality, even if it was for three minutes. Right. And when I consult and I read... Uh, research, they say that suicide is a decision that's usually made within a five to eight minute period. Rarely is it something that someone stews about for 10 days. Maybe you're, you're, you have moments of ideation, if you will, but they say it's a f- between a five and eight minute mm-hmm. decision. And, and that's why I went straight to social media. I went straight to entertainment and a song because myself, if I'm not too stubborn in my whatever emotional situation I'm going through, if I get angry or if you get frustrated, if I'm conscious enough to just hit play on a song and actually listen to that song, it will change my reality. Mm -hmm. After that three minutes, I'll remember, oh yeah, you know, that, that bill that I can't pay or that thing that happened really isn't as important as I'm making it out to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, Professor Bonilla, you already know, you know, uh, wh- how I do and wh- how I approach things, you know, from my previous books. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I, I look at the, the foundation and fundamentals of things. And, and we, we first we need to realize that the, the Native American community or the indigenous mm-hmm. um, or the aboriginal, um, first of all, we need to get, get rid of the word Indian because they're not Indians. Mm-hmm. They're Native Americans, Aboriginal, tribal, uh, uh, indigenous, but not Indian, sure. uh, because that the word the word Indian is already indicating that they came from elsewhere, mm-hmm. and the Bering Strait problem and so forth. But <clears throat> first of all, we, uh, once we remove that, um, then we realize what really happened and what's really going on now. And as a non-native, uh, it makes it more special and more heartbreaking when you see this stuff and through my experience i was very blessed with having uh the friendship uh, of the natives at the same time the the blessing to be in a hogan uh to be part of a uh, 
Native American, uh, like a spiritual session that non-natives cannot go into. Non-natives cannot hear those prayers, you know. And, and, and being within the reservation the last five years, uh, it has changed me as an individual. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I'm glad for the better. <clears throat> because now my purpose, uh, obviously besides from you know, taking care of my, my family, is, is to basically <clears throat> make the future better um, for, the, for the original people of this country. And every single inch of United States uh, was populated by Native mm-hmm. Americans. So, well, first, that's that's the number one thing we need to realize, right? We need to acknowledge that we're on their lands. <clears throat> so, whether it's Amazon, whether it is a uh, the the Wall Street, wherever they make money, wherever there is prosperity, they're basically living off the the ancestral lands of the people that have died. Now. Well, when I say died, it's I'm just sugar coating it. Sure. So, so uh, we we basically have had Native Americans through through a genocide, and they're still going through a genocide. And and I can say it because uh, I see it. Um, but it's under the guise of healthcare. It's under the guise of lack of economic development. Uh, there is historical trauma. And. Uh, uh, if, even the minor thing for a human being, it's considered to be a trauma. Even a fall is a trauma mm-hmm. for, for the geriatric population. But the, his, the historical trauma already gives uh, the, the, the current generation um, for, for them to lose hope, uh, lose their dignity, um, lose their sense of being. Um, so right now, more than 70% of Native Americans live off the reservation, okay? okay. So <clears throat> that means that now they're going through a cultural genocide because they're, not, they're no longer linked to their elders. They're no longer linked to their language. And uh, me examining language um, gives me uh, a good insight of how, how uh, language is important for people to stay close to their ancestors because it's, uh, having an extra language means a, a, a different way of thinking. Yeah, and that, unlike in other cases where, you know, immigrants, two generations down, kind of lose the language, that's sort of like an organic process. In this case, there was nothing organic about it. That was just flat out boarding schools. You got beaten the hell out if you speak your own tribal language. So that's a concerted program to wipe out native languages in a short period of time. There there is an agenda. I mean, you can see that. uh, And the thing is, the agenda works. Mm -hmm. It's working. Right. Um, you have uh, the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Uh-huh. Why is the word Indian in there? I mean, a Bureau of Indian Affairs, uh, Indian Health Service, they're all anti-tribal entities. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, in, IHS is getting $5 billion a year since 1955. Uh, where is the health care? Right. You don't see it, right? Where's the money uh, going, If they give you $5 billion for five years, you'll put a health care on the map of healthcare innovation, right? Even though you're not a doctor, but right. you'll find a way. Yeah. But it's not happening. Right. So um, when you see what's happening on the reservation, it's even worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have grandma hitchhiking her way just to see her doctor 40 miles away. You have a, wom- a woman uh, having a child in the bathroom. Um, you have fancy buildings with only uh, administrators and clerks. Um, you have no pharmacies. Uh, you have no hospice care. So grandma isn't dying in pain. There is no morphine. 
and and it has nothing to do very important it has nothing to do with cultural insensitivity if i want to bring uh some uh kind of a solution for grandma not to die in pain because she has been diagnosed with you know cancer mm -hmm. and she's not going to live more than six months for example and there is a lot of resistance as well because you know you are going to uh cause a problem and for somebody's pocket you don't know what's going on what the arrangements have been but if you look at the overall population the population is suffering both on uh on the urban level and also on the reservation level um between 1973 to 1976 in the United States, by the endorsement of the U.S. government, Department of Health, and Indian Health Service, 25% uh, of Native Amer American women have been forcefully uh, sterilized yeah, without and, consent. Right. And so for most people who are not familiar with that, of course, there would be a second right now where it goes like, what? Time out, try again. Right. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. So let's break that down a second. What he just said up to ending, because it was happening before, of course, but up to definitely in the 1970s, mm -hmm. you're looking at very high percentage of native women being sterilized without their consent. Mm -hmm. The obvious question is, how can that happen? Yeah. How can, so they, they basically, the uh, they go in for, uh, let's say, appendix check. Mm -hmm. And then they come out with their tubes tied. Right. So with an informed consent that's usually put in their face while they are sedated yeah. or something. And, and or, it was endorsed. Yeah. It was endorsed by them. And I have the brochure. Right. Uh, so the the next question that the person was never heard of these would probably bring up is yeah. why. Yeah. Uh, I mean the how part. I guess you just mentioned it. Yeah. The why part. They they want. Well, when I say they, I I mean the powers to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we have seen this the last 300 years. They want America without Native Americans. Mm -hmm. Because uh, once the Native American dies off from the reservation, there is nobody else to claim it. Of course. So they come and take it away. Right. A million of acres of That's Native right. land. That's, That's right. right. It's, 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 it's very simple. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, it, it, just a little bit of history will tell you the same thing is happening in other countries. Right. Know? Same thing happened in Armenia, mm -hmm. ancient Armenia, right? So... Uh, that's happening, and, and I think that uh, since it's currently happening in the United States, I think it's one of the most pressing issues we're, uh, we're not even talking about. Uh, we don't see it on the news, um, and uh, they, they call them like drunkards and, and, and um, madmen. Uh, even the Declaration of Independence. Mm -hmm. Okay, there is Mercy one reference. Indian savages, there is right? One, yeah, yeah, there yeah. is one reference, and you have like more than 35 people signing that. Right. Some of them became president. Sure. And those the, the pictures of those, those uh, are on our dollar bills. Mm -hmm. So, I just got a reference, Joe, J R E. You guys can't write some new shit. Excuse my language. <laughs> yeah. The document's a hundred plus years old. Mm -hmm. We can't write some new stuff based on the new facts because I'm telling you, I'm not a. If you want me to, you make me mad. Any individual man will become right that word, but. When Dr. Setyun stops, starts talking, I literally have to stop myself from just unloading a huge amount mm -hmm. of information as, as I meet someone like Dr. Setyun and, and I remember back to where I'm only 49 years old. I'm not, I'm not in my okay. 70s, right? I was born in 1970. As a younger man, I used to really go at the tribal leaders 
give them no no quarter, right? Until I understood what they were under. Of course. Right? And understood that, and, and uh, as a tribal member, just recently, we've had some major incidents happen in, in Indian country. Sure. Right? And as a man, being a patriot, loving my country, flying the flag, it really did. It brings tears to my eyes. It brings a lump in my throat that I was... I was turning television on and watching my relatives be beat down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched dogs be sicked on people, right? Sure. And yes, we can go to all the, well, they crossed this line, this barrier they were told not to. We can say all these things, but ultimately we're supposed to be a civilized community. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that's... Uh... I think what we are hinting at earlier, you know, when you talk about like really high percentage of suicide in native community, really high percentage of alcoholism and drug abuse in native community. Uh, when people from the outside have the why question, it's like, why? You're not going through what's happening today. Nobody's yeah. coming to shoot at you today. Right. It's like there's, you know, when you say, like even like the stuff that you bring up earlier, you know, it's like forced sterilization, not. 300 years ago, not 200 years ago, 1970s. No, and on top of that, right. uh, the reason why <clears throat> I'm scheduled to go to Canada to be in front of the Senate mm-hmm. is because uh, two weeks ago, same thing happened in Canada. Mm. An indigenous woman was forcefully sterilized. Mm-hmm. So we're not. So sometimes when they say, oh, let's leave the past behind right. and talk about the, 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 the present and the future... I'll give him that example. Right, the past is Completely. not really the past. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's happening yeah. now. So so that's why we want to uh, combine uh, United States and Canada for this fight. Because, uh, you know, the indigenous is the indigenous. Yeah. They, they, own the, they, they still own the land, but they're, they're, they're kind of removed from the, uh, the, the knowledge of they, they, they still do. And... That is the reasons, one of the reasons why you still have issues going on in the reservation. Um, healthcare disparities are awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> you can go to the most richest tribe and you can go to the most poorest tribe and everything is the same. Same healthcare disparities, problems, issues, uh, lack of economic development. I want to ask you one thing before, because I think we're going to go in a slightly different direction there, but something you brought up earlier and I forgot to ask you, when you mentioned the large sum of money that goes Uh to Indian health services and the fact that then what comes out at the other end is Uh too little in terms of actual health care that people have access Uh to, the obvious thing is where's all the money going? It goes to administrators and clerks just disappears yeah, it, in it, everybody's... Yeah, it goes to the coffers of the administrators. I mean, they have uh, so many redundant people uh, within the position right. that they're holding. It's not even funny. Secretary to the secretary of the undersecretary of the CEO, you know, things like that. And I think there is, I guess, two separate points that are, I guess, somewhat related, but like on one level, uh, there's a history behind it, right? Yeah. If you see uh, the whole history of like reservations... In theory, when you look at the money going from the U.S. government to the tribes, yeah. it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. The problem is they would never get there, yeah. you know, because there are like 32,000 people along the way, the various right. middlemen, the reservation yeah. agent who make the money disappear. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody find a way to pocket them along the way. Yeah. So then you have a group of people who have been promised something by treaty who are not getting it and yeah. are rightfully mad. 
who complain, the US government to say, what are you talking about? Look all the money that we signed off to yeah. get to you. And then as you have different branches of, you know, bureaucrat number one arguing with bureaucrat number two, basically money disappears along the way. So while officially leaving the coffers of the US government is not reaching its It's not reaching, either. and that's what I'm saying. The, uh, the, the policies yeah. and, and the, the tribal governments, they are set there to be anti-tribal. That's why it's not, it's not working. And that's exactly as it applies to the tribes, and you're totally correct. And I think sort of the larger point of that is that sometimes when it talks about like the role of government, mm -hmm. and one of the problems is not spending money on certain, you know, when people are all hardcore, like less taxes, all that, of course, nobody likes to pay taxes. I get it. Right. But at the same time, it's like when you... The problem is not a welfare program or the problem is not having regulations right. in various industries. Those are things you want. Yeah. The problem is all the money that's wasted to mm. get that done. Yeah. And that, I think, is not one of the number one government problems. It's not that those services should be cut. That's suicidal. That's just stupid yeah. to do that. Right. It's that how you get the job done better with less money. Right. Because, I mean, I see the same thing like what you are describing with the bloating of administratorial position. I see it in education all the time, mm -hmm. right? It's like there are regularly advertised at every college I teach positions where I'm like, what does this job describe? What the hell does this person do all day? Right. Because it doesn't make any sense, right? It's like if you remove the instructors from the classrooms, there we people get, will yeah. notice. Yeah, we if it. you remove the students from the classroom, there's an issue. Yeah. But the number of people beside that that are needed to make the whole machine work right. is relatively little. Yeah. And, uh, but that's the opposite is happening. is this monstrous growth in bureaucracy. Right and where the actual money going to the people who are going yeah. to make it work tend to dwindle. Well, uh, Indian Health Service is mm -hmm. a federal government. Right. It's not like it's being run for natives, right? Yeah. Most of the administrators are non-native. Right. Well, that brings us to the reality <coughs> of, of Indian gaming, right? Mm -hmm. Tribal gaming. And there's that word Indian. It's still in there. Right? Sure. Uh, tribal gaming, right? Uh, the common person would see a huge multi-million dollar casino and then you would look to the neighboring houses and you would assume well all those tribal members are getting money from that and when we some of my thought processes we've talked about uh natives you know since we started suicide prevention a few years ago it was like the 11th leading cause of death in the united states and you can fact check me and so forth but uh since we've talked about that, it's it's rearing up about the second leading cause of death, right? Uh, common across all 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 races, all ages. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at why, I asked my own question: Why did my eight-year-old relative take his life? Right, eight years old. Yeah, right. And now you see the statistics are it's it's ten from ten the age ten years old to thirty-four the highest hit by suicide. And I thought about. Or a relative, maybe a niece or a nephew or myself sitting on a porch of a reservation house, a home that was built by HUD, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, sitting on their porch and being able to gaze across a field to a multi-million dollar facility that entertainment is happening. That facility is pulling sometimes $10 million in a day. There's, we've tracked that. Right. 
So you have that Native American individual, that young man who's he's a smart individual or young lady. He knows economy. Mm-hmm. He's been to school. And he looks at that. And then he goes over there and he watches a guy from San Diego that has nothing or wherever. Sure. No, and no offense to the guy. Sure. <coughs> he got his education. He's working in gaming. No yep. offense to him. But the tribal member that drives up and knows that he is a partial owner of this building and of this gaming facility... He watches that gentleman earn about 300k a year, okay? And a young Native American high school student is standing there watching that guy drive off in his beautiful car, and he's literally flying home Mm because he's not going to live in that res. He's going to go, right? Then he sees his own tribal chairman. The tribal chairman is only making a quarter of what that CEO is making. Mm Mm-hmm. How does that make any, how does that individual make any sense of that when they're educated and they know that their body is connected to that gaming situation? They know that the tribal leaders and council are putting in hours, which all in, these things. Right, which in some way goes back to that initial point we were making about the weirdness of the human psyche. Because some of this stuff, there are ways to make it work where my getting a good life doesn't mean that I have to screw you over, right? right? Where it's like, yes, I want a good life. That doesn't mean, you know, there are ways to make it happen. That does not seem a common priority, where typically the priority is like, as long as I get mine and more and a little more, then screw everybody else. It's like if you have to mow down 72 grammas along the way to make it happen, by all means, hey, at least I got my fancy TV kind of thing, you know? So... um, Daniele, you mentioned something earlier in the conversation about competitiveness. And the word that popped in my mind was, well, what about, you know, collaboration? Mm-hmm. You know, competition versus collaboration. And, you know, I was born in a place called Squamish in British Columbia near Vancouver, BC. And then when I was around six, we moved to a place called Kamloops. And I thought I just left Eden and went into hell because it was like, you know, lush rainforest. Sure. And now it's like... <laughs> everything's dead right and i remember when i drove into town i saw these like huge big buildings and i didn't know what they were at the time but um as i you know went through the education system we realized that those were boarding schools and those boarding schools are exactly what you talked about kano and vaughn about this planned ethnocide by some Mm -hmm. agency to you know extract native american children above a certain age and create this huge generational divide i think you mentioned it earlier daniele about we're removing them from their elders Mm -hmm. and so i you know was this is a very blue collar town lots of industry happening there and the golden ticket out is to go to alberta which is like the texas of canada and you know go work in oil and gas and as long as you have a pulse you can make six figures a year and so this is the process that i found myself caught up in. And when I was in that environment, just what you said, Vaughn, about people saying, oh, I know they're drunks or this or whatever. And it's like, has anyone paused to look at how this situation happened? And it was a, a, a while of literally being in the trenches to realize, oh my God, like what am I in? And I didn't want to be part of it anymore, which has kind of led to this situation with my friends from clandestine and Dr. Vaughn here. Um, but I was working in camps, uh, building oil and gas facilities and you would hear it all the time. And then, you know, I befriended some, uh, native American guys that were, 
you know, hired on and you talk to them and it's like, they're not stoked to be there at all, right. but it's, it, it seems similar as the gaming is what's going on down here. So we're going to make a run of it. And he's like, I don't want to be here, man. It's like, we want to protect the planet. This fucking sucks. Yeah. But yeah. guess what? This is better than being on the res. You got to make some money. Yeah. And then being in that environment where people are so focused on our differences, like scathing differences. And that's what they identify with. You know, when you look at music, what Connor was talking about before, it's immortality as a vibration. You know, a lot of people, they don't really remember what you said. I have a hard time remembering what I heard on a phone conversation mm -hmm. 15 minutes ago. But I'll never forget how, you know, <laughs> something made me feel. Whether it was just an exchange with somebody through conversation or listening to a song. So, um, you know... Music can be that way, as Kano was sharing earlier, to really bridge that divide instantaneously to make people feel different. And as soon as people feel different, they're receptive to ideas. And you can sit down and talk them off that edge or you know, bring them to the table and have a tabletop conversation. Um, you know, let me... I, I can add on to the, the positive mm -hmm. perspective. Um because of collaboration i mean uh it's not it's not a coincidence that we named the healthcare initiative as a palliation collaborative uh, because it's no longer about competition it's about uh entities coming together to tackle a problem especially the problem in uh, native america mm -hmm. and which which means to bring the latest technology and, and innovation into tribal lands and speaking of tribal lands uh couple of things first of all sovereignty is very important uh, it's very sacred and we should always push for tribes to keep that sovereignty uh, to the last drop because that's all they got mm -hmm. and it brings a lot of value and it brings a lot of power uh, Native American laws are very very powerful uh, we just need the natives to understand that and because uh, it's not a coincidence that the natives are impoverished. Mm -hmm. See, that's the other uh, element to your question. Why is this happening? Well, if we keep capital away from a native, then they cannot exercise their law. You see, they will be after some, some peanuts or crumbs just to stay alive. Right. But once they have the capital, they can do wonders. Uh, nothing applies to them. They, mm -hmm. they can do whatever they want. So to, to speak at a, at a, on, on a positive note, uh, I think that uh, they can utilize their sovereignty to bring in uh, healthy joint ventures uh, from the world to come together to do nation-to-nation -nation export, import. Um, I mean, uh, as I speak right now, I think that uh, a lot of uh, light bulbs are going to go on across the world for them to start thinking about this because if the tariffs are causing issues in the United States, and we have more than 4,000 trucks being off the road, well, Indian country is the answer, right? right. So that's one. Um, and then at the same time, uh, Native America is the last frontier also for uh, medical freedom. Mm -hmm. We can bring in a medical tourism to tribal lands and, and, and the creation of jobs. I mean, currently, people in the United States are going to Panama, Dominican Republic, to get uh, their, their cancers cured, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but we can reverse the trend. Why can't we do it here? And I think that it, it requires swift implementation, though. You know, every second counts uh, because these people are dying. Obviously, they went from, what, 180 million to 2 3 million now, maybe 6, mm -hmm. still. And this is my 
<coughs> philosophy as far as uh, the indigenous population. Take any society, professor, uh, or any country. If the indigenous population is worse off than the rest of the population, uh, that nation or society is on a clear path to self-destruction mm -hmm. because they don't have the wisdom of the indigenous. They don't have the memory of the indigenous, how to go. So when you say how people are divided, well, there's a huge diversity, but there's a disconnect within the diversity because they don't allow the indigenous to guide them, right? So once you remove that, then it's completely chaos. We don't know where to go, what to do. We think that the superficial foundation is enough, but we, 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 we kind of yearn to go toward our ancestors. But if we have cut, cut our ties with our ancestors, how are we going to do it? And you know very well that religion has caused a lot of issues. Sure. Right? And uh, uh, you know, I hate to be uh, controversial, but uh, a fact is that religion has destroyed a lot of cultures. It has uh, cut the ties with their ancestors, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Christianity is the reason why natives have, have, have been killed in this, in this country and around the world. Uh, but we, uh, once, once we understand the problem. I think that we can find a common knowledge and the language to start communicating amongst the diversity now. We know that every ethnic group had has issues in the past and uh, a mother is a mother, she cries when she loses a baby, you know. We understand everybody is a human being, but at the same time we need to realize uh, that every ethnic group has an ancestral past which we must cherish. It doesn't need to be ours mm -hmm. as long as we cherish them. That's mm -hmm. why I always cherish the fact that I go on the reservation and I meet with a medicine man who tells me about these stories and, you know, blesses in the, the event because you kind of hear the echo uh, of their ancestors, which uh, makes you as one of them. You're no longer an Armenian on, on native country. You're a human being. Uh, welcomed by this person who has been suffering but still has the has the audacity to smile right so that's uh, I want I to put a positive energy into this conversation yeah because I think what you guys are bringing up is in many ways it revolves around sort of one of the viruses of the human mind which is this idea of a zero-sum game where in order for me to win somebody else has to lose competition in that sense right in because competition could be you know if it's competition of uh, okay there's 10 of us right here who can do the best job at making as many other people happy as possible that's a good competition i dig that you yeah. know it's like by all means encourage that one you know it's like that's a, yeah. the problem is in that because that's a competition within a cooperative framework is we want to achieve the same goal yeah. okay i'll challenge you let's see how hard we can push the goal is because the illusion of separation unfortunately is the one that makes you think that as long as i get the good stuff yeah i can build a high enough fence to keep all those other people out i can poison the whole planet but i'll have my yeah. little organic food being delivered by amazon or something i can I can get my own while I screw over everyone else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it simply doesn't work. I mean, it can work in a super short term, but sure. anything beyond the super, super short term, it really doesn't. Yeah, it's com like, competition is healthy as long as yeah, it doesn't turn into greed. Totally. And yeah. that, I think, is the problem, that short-sightedness that makes you think that I can get my own yeah. in spite of everyone else. But either then, how do I get my own and make sure that 
people around are taken care of, yeah. you know, and yeah. that, and of course it's harder yeah. because it's a lot easier. Well, here's to... an example from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was uh, doing a study on competition versus cooperation, mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to see how bankers uh, treat uh, financial incentives and how, whether it makes them more competitive or cooperative. Right. right. So, you know, usually you have banks, all the banks, they have these weekly huddles and they talk about teamwork. So I'm, I'm looking, uh, because I was a banker before getting, mm-hmm. getting into healthcare. So uh, when they had these morning huddles and they talk about teamwork, I'm saying, wait a minute, something doesn't make sense. Uh, how can individual bankers have individual goals? And the more they meet their goals, the more money they make. And then they force them to be a team. To yeah, be a team doesn't, it's not going to work, right? So it's a waste of time, obviously. Yeah. So I did the research. And I addressed it to the bank's executives. And I said, you know, this is very unhealthy because uh, it's going to cause a lot of issues because that banker is going to sell a product to a customer that doesn't need for the sake of meeting the goal and so forth. Uh, And then the 2008 crash happened. And Mm -hmm. there was kind of, I I foresaw that. But the results actually works in healthcare because you really have that, uh, that, that teamwork feel because if uh, somebody doesn't function, the, the entire project falls. So mm-hmm. it, that gave me an insight that actually would work in healthcare. Yeah, it's interesting where we're directing our competitive energy. And, you know, what if using that healthcare example, if, or you, what mm-hmm. you were saying about how many people can we make happy, who makes mm-hmm. the most amount of people happy, if you took that competitive energy and channeled it into like a life giving, life affirming, collaborative approach. Because then if you if that's your aim, the whole paradigm shifts mm-hmm. and all of that energy, you can still get your jollies off of, sure. oh, I'm the greatest and the best and everyone's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Except now more people are sustained from it rather than, as you said, your own little picket fence and your yeah. own clean green space to live with your organic yeah. Amazon basket. Well, yeah, I mean, if you have a big ass cake. And you would all Can't by yourself, you know. You have a stuff, you have a. <laughs> but but if you can just visualize, listen, right. you know, just give few few pieces to the others, you'll be all right. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can have, constantly have that yep. perspective, it's very simple, right? Don't eat a big ass cake. That's the that's the thing. And I think one of the problems is that we were wired for that kind of cooperation, and so it's still in us. But that works great in a small community because you know everybody. Well, first it doesn't anyway, because it's hard, you know, people find ways to be jealous of each other, even yeah. when there are five people in, you know, but right. let alone when you talk about at the bigger events, you know, on a small scale, you can make it happen. It's still yeah. hard, but you can make it happen, right. right? 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 300 people, face-to-face community, you know people, you care for them, you know their yeah. story, There's, it's a little easier to make that happen. Yeah. Still not easy, but doable. Once you go to a level where people are a number, once you talk about society on a scale where, I don't know that damn person, it's like they don't, maybe they are super nice, maybe they are a horrible human being, maybe they are, why do I need to do something that is going to benefit them kind of thing? That mentality, of course, it's under, I mean, we know it's wrong, but it's understandable Mm -hmm. because it's not as easy to see the humanity rationalize it because we're trained to see and then increase the differences yeah and And also limited resources too right yeah 
I mean, we think that uh, resources are limited. Sure. So we, yeah, we c it's it's finite. So we can only divide that by so many. So yeah, it's so like a ways. cake in ten people yeah. who work well. Yeah. A cake in five thousand people is like, hey, yeah, look why. at that! <laughs> that that crumb tasted good. Exactly. Yeah, or I mean, the thought of no cake is right. pretty scary. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you if really want to look at let's say different systems, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to go into economics, mm -hmm. but you know, uh, I think it was uh, James Watt, uh, the former Secretary of Interior, said. Uh, you know, if you want to see a failed example of socialism, go to, to the Indian reservations. Uh -huh. So, and then, uh, you know, uh, I do remember, you know, back home when it was under the communist rule. So that didn't work. Right. And and may maybe uh, capitalism is the best thing we got at, at the moment, even though it's not perfect. But we just want to make sure that we, we kind of um, hold it not to become too greedy of a system. Which is, yeah, which is tricky because it's almost the definition, right? right? It's, it's right. like, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Can we explore the idea? Okay, so clandestine, the band, uh, we're doing great as a band, but the industry changed, mm -hmm. right? Music industry changed. And there was a moment that we realized, wow, we can, we can address thousands of people from home through a microphone and a camera. Sure. And we then created an online variety show. Right. Is, it's, it's just a turbocharged podcast, okay. right? Right. And we go full-scale production, and, and we're, we're, we're grasping this, this uh, edge, if you will. Right. Right? So we have this competition. Like you're saying, if that, if that edge wasn't there, where would we be? Of course. Right? And being a native group, being able to utilize this technology is, is somewhat funny. Right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny. We're literally saying prayers through a facebook post of course right sending good energy to our family and and all these things but inherently we look to where at what point do we want to romanticize what humans can do because mm -hmm. we can all cooperate sure we know we have the capability and even in my lifetime i've sat and i've as a young man ignorant man man this place would be great if if columbus never showed up mm-hmm and then I read books. All right. Then, then I read uh, depictions of my own relatives and heard about the building of tribes and different things. And you, you inherently come to the fact that, wow, we're all kind of jerks right? when we have to be. Yep. Right? We, we, we're really good at it sometimes, right. too. And uh, the United States, we're all really, we have this notion of romanticizing things really big. Right. Sure. And in fact, that's one of the problems that sometimes, you know, when you forget <coughs> big scale, forget even small scale. If you throw one human being in a room by themselves, they'll be arguing with themselves before you know it. You know, there's like sometimes that tendency is there. And so, yeah, you're right. You know, you can have two tribes that live next door to each other that are probably heavily interrelated and they are still going to slaughter each other at the drop of a dime. You're going to have uh, brothers who are after whatever resources come from their parents right. and they are fighting. So it's like... We see it all the time. Yeah. yeah, that tendency, unfortunately, is a human one. And that's one that is good to be aware of. And in order to... You know, you can't deny it. It's mm -hmm. there. So how do you silence that voice as much yeah. as possible and have other side of humanity? Because that's also real. The other, the more positive sides of humanity are also there. You know, they're also just as real. Mm -hmm. Question, Professor. Uh -huh. um, 
I'm up in Northern California, so my drive was a little a little longer than six hours to, um, last night slash this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but up near the Pomo tribes, and as I've been doing some reading in the area, it looks like the Pomo Indians have been there for way longer than you know what has been accepted sure. by you know um, I guess conventional wisdom, mm-hmm. um, tens of thousands of years, they're starting to find more and more archaeology. And the deeper they dig and the more they find, and as they listen to the oral history, there was no war. I mean, they were like making baskets and they were doing some hunting, but they didn't have actually any intertribal conflict and they were fairly peaceful, egalitarian um, folks. Um, I just... It does it happen. seems, yeah, that there's pockets of this where people sure. can get together and they can be collaborative and sustain themselves well. And everyone sure. is making 10 people happy and that's the game that they play yeah. and no yeah. one's getting angry and getting crazy. So it's what is it in the human psyche or in the human spirit that propels us into those thought forms? I to, think it's just easier, you know, to be just easier to be yeah because it's easy for me to walk you on the head and steal your stuff and i can look at my bank account grow mm. it's fairly easy i can get that done you yeah know? to get to make a bunch of people happy to keep all so many different yeah. things in balance that's hard work that's not a quick easy i go in get mine get out that again you can see a clear path to make that happen mm-hmm. to Keep a whole bunch of different systems in balance. Your relationship with the environment around you and your resources. Your relationship with other human beings. Your relationship with the other tribe next door. Your rela- that takes a lot of skill. Because it's like, it's like being a juggler. We are trying to keep like 25 balls in the air. Uh, whereas if the game is just me against you, if I club you harder than you can climb me, I win. That's an easier game. Yeah. It's easier to understand. It's easier to conceptualize. I mean, it. from the anthropological standpoint, I mean, uh, the human being is the most dangerous animal, mm-hmm. you know, in, 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 among all the animals. Right. So, and now it's it's more difficult to be a human being, right, uh, because of f- f- finite resources and uh, overpopulation, and and I think that that challenges us to find innovative ways for us to coexist before it's already too late. I mean, it may be already too late. Um, There are various opinions about climate change and so forth. I don't want to go into a controversy, but I think that uh, since it is more difficult for us to be humane human Mm -hmm. beings, um, the the idea for us to collaborate and find better ways for us to work, work things out will give us better answers. And I think that really applies to Indian country. Sure. If we find a way for us to solve few things within Native America, mm-hmm. whether it's healthcare, whether it's economic development, whether putting a bank somewhere or making sure that uh, grandma has hospice care, mm-hmm. I think that it will give us the results to solve um, healthcare issues nationwide. Right. Uh, so we really need to look at Indian country not only as a place to, to prosper, you know, ironically speaking, Indian country can be turned into a paradise as it was before. Mm-hmm. But I think that Indian country has the solution of many of our ailments uh, as a society, as a country. And we need to involve the medicine man as we would the doctors. Um, we need uh, non-native and natives to come together uh, around the 
around the table for them to discuss things instead of coming together just to ask for more money or the issues or land problems, right? Uh, we also need to have the non-native understand that even though they have sovereignty, they can't use those lands. Mm -hmm. They can't put it up for mortgage, right? Right. So these things are very, very important. If they cannot drink the water and they need to go out of the reservation 40 miles, 50 miles to get drinkable water, if there is no light coming through mm -hmm. the reservation, why not for that person to drink to death? Right. I mean, what's the mystery behind it? I mean, the Very guy clear. has historical trauma. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and the child uh, cannot wait to finish high school and get out of the reservation because there is nothing waiting for her. Mm -hmm. What if we bring a school where we can certify her or him before she graduates high school that she's going to be a certified uh, home health assistant for them to go into that hospital to mm -hmm. be an expert instead of kicking her out because, you know, she has... Uh, no hope. So, uh, finding hope and finding uh, a way to bring the dignity back of the elders would give them the opportunity for them to show the, the youth that, listen, these things happen, but I think if you do X, Y, and Z, this is what you're going to get. Right. So, I, I, th I think that's my opinion. I, I completely agree with that avenue in regard to uh, perception. Okay, because... What we have really in culture and myself is let's look at native culture and let's look at medicine. As a native person growing up, you could go to a medical professional and they will tell you inherently you're going to be an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. It's in your genes. You're also going to be a diabetic. It's in your genes. You have inherently, you probably have an anger problem too. It's in your genes. So if you tell a society that sure. enough times, of course, when I see alcohol, I'm not going to understand how to utilize it. Mm -hmm. And in our communities, it's not, there's no way to learn how to properly sip some wine with right. dinner. Right. That, that in some yeah. families, perhaps, but not in my family. Right. Right. And we were living in a state of duress that we didn't realize we were in duress. Mm -hmm. Right. So my most important thing is, like Dr. Setgan said, is education of understanding. It's really important for the rest of the world to understand that First Nations people of the United States are alive and well and prospering in an extreme level, right? Native youth have Facebook pages. They're wearing Air Jordans. It's, right. And I say that, and I'm a little older than the, right. you know, the younger kid. My nephew's probably laughing at me and stuff like that, but... I come from a time when Dave and I traveled to Australia on an economic development uh, cultural exchange. And when we got there and we met the aboriginals and we, we went honka, we adopted mm -hmm. each other. We're family with, with the Biragaba tribe and we carry their ceremonial instruments. But when we went down there, they thought we were still living in teepees. Mm -hmm. sure. Right. This is a while back, mind you. Now, and it hasn't been that long. We, we still will show up in Europe or UK, and there's still educated individuals who will ask Dave, so what kind of, you know, you guys, they don't realize, no, we're pretty much, you know, I'm watching, we're watching TV, I'm yeah. streaming Netflix. Of course. You know, we still want the same thing you do. So what my point is, is like the rest of the world kind of needs to know we're here, mm -hmm. right, for that youth or that native 
person to find some value in the world, he has to know he exists. We have to take our seat at the table of media. Uh, when you watch a television program, and Dave's actually my mentor here, David, that damn artist, the first one that made me realize this. Hey, you know this is our country, right? Like anywhere we walk, this is like our home, right? And it dawned on me that I didn't feel like that. If, if I left the reservation, right. I felt like I was in a foreign land. Of course. And it took a little bit, it took a mentor of mine to go, no, you're, you're walking through Monument Valley, that's yours too. Mm-hmm. You know, and it made me it reached out, reach out for education and thought process. For the sake of history uh, topic, uh, I think that first of all it's very important for humanity to, to understand and even read about everyone's history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Native, Native American history is not in historical books, right? Right. So the majority of people when they grow up through high school, they only have maybe a small chapter yeah, about nothing. Native Americans. I mean, you can, you can just write a dissertation just on Crazy Horse alone. Right. Um, <clears throat> so that's one. I think that if we can stick to United States, for example, um, for us to for everyone to respect their brethren is for first of all to understand their history uh, by having it in a textbook. And uh, you're absolutely right. Now, one thing that I wanted to bring up before we forget, as we'll uh, start heading toward wrapping up, but one thing that then I'm going to ask you guys things that you want to make sure that we cover before we wrap things up. But sure. one thing that you hinted at earlier that I wanted to go back to because it's an important contemporary one. It's not just history as sure. in, yeah, kind of carries over, no, as in really happening now. Mm-hmm. One of the very big topics when it comes to native communities today, you hear, if you pay attention, the average person probably doesn't hear a whole lot about it, but if you pay attention, you hear a lot of info ga- regarding the disappearance, particularly of nati- native women, mm-hmm. the sex trafficking, the... And, you know, most people have no idea how that works, why that is. You know, at best, they may have heard the concept, and that's about it. Um, Any of you guys want to tackle it as far as sort of giving a quick spiel for people who are not familiar with what we're talking about? Yeah, it's it's a very good topic, and the world should know. And you kind of want to go in, and I'll I'll contribute. Yeah, I definitely want to just say it's, it's a... It is a travesty that's happening. It is tracked. If you know, and we can say we could we can say, hey, why isn't this more of a solution? We can point fingers as to why this is happening. But one thing I do know that is, if representatives in several states have no benefit to creating these new resolutions in law, they're mm-hmm. not. So several states are now enacting states of emergency. Mm-hmm. And that's a real, uh, it should be a, an alarm to everyone if indigenous ladies and children are disappearing and we have no tracking of them and there's no, there's no way to find out why they're leaving us at a higher rate. That's a real travesty to our entire population. Right. And in that, I just want to say that in communities and tribal leaders, that's an extremely important issue. We're from Arizona. I know the entire state, the governor has turned their attention towards it. You know, and it's my hope that California and and more states uh, across the nations, you know, because it's I think 
the indigenous women being the highest number of disappearances also tells us that there's many more of us, right? And we talk about controversy and different things. We know that there's an underlying force somewhere on this planet that is not in tune with how we respect women and, and children or human beings. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that uh, when we talk about close history, things that we know about, right? Those are the things that, like you said, are important for us to discuss, right? What is, if we can't protect a small, we're, we're 2% of the population. Mm-hmm. Right. And if, if our females are being taken per capita more than anyone else, what is going on? Right. And with that, I, I, I know Dr. Set. Setyan can speak to some of the legislation, some of the statistics that have yeah. right. rid, rid their heads. Yeah, I mean, uh, being on the reservation also uh, gave me exposure to uh, even data and instances that doesn't really come out to the, uh, to the media. So uh, I was one of the people, actually, that uh, was reaching out to the FBI and the, the tribal government and the council for them to... Uh, sound the alarm on this problem and that started back in 2016 and incidentally that's when you, they started talking about these things you know one of the problems is that uh, first of all the open plains um, there is a huge gap in how people live it, right for example uh, it can be miles and miles between each other so sure. it's very easy for the perpetrators to kidnap uh, Miss Nez and nobody would know about it right? and then two uh, Native Americans have a high frequency of travel mm-hmm. uh, through their reservation uh, to see a family member go across the country. So very likely something is going to happen on the way if the per- perpetrators look at that. Um, <clears throat> and also um, the, the ec- economic disparities also have a factor because maybe mom has no choice but to do certain things to feed the family. Right. And uh, she goes into the wrong hands, and then off she goes. And so uh, Native American women and children uh, tend to be the, 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 the highest of the population to be kidnapped, uh, compared to the statistics, obviously, to, the, to their population. And <clears throat> I think that if, if, a, if there is a system that still works that tries to destroy these people, again, the system works. So we do have a lot of anti-tribal <clears throat> policies in place for these things to happen. Uh, why, why does the news in another country that has little significance to the United States beyond CNN, but the, uh, the disappearance of Native American women are only on the local newspaper, mm-hmm. let's say, or, or it had to, we had to drive six hours to come here to actually, for you, Professor, to to raise that question. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I think I, we see this example as, as, as a moment of, of a huge a human emergency. There's a huge emergency in the United States that nobody has sounded the alarm on. Uh, besides from the, the national healthcare emergency, sure. we have a Native American healthcare emergency. We have a Native American economic development emergency. And, uh, and whatever I say... Uh, can be you know testified by each and every native. Uh, they may be biased by saying you know no there is no discrimination, 
which Kano can say a lot about that. No, there is nothing happening. Everybody is fine. But nothing is fine. Sure. However, one thing is fine. is It's going toward marriage of natives with non-natives to come up with a solution which we have come together to solve. I would like to push out that I live in the in the spirit of Crazy Horse. Read Black Elk Speaks. Uh, Black Elk Speaks in many of his books, The Seven Rights. Uh, if it wasn't for those interviews, some of those, some of that knowledge would be gone, right? And we do stand at the fork of two rivers. We are our 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 whole population, our our whole world is standing at the fork of two rivers. We can choose the river of life and beauty, and prosper prosperity and continual lifeway. We all we all see that other river. It's right in front of us. Mm-hmm. It's right there. We, we see the effects of it everywhere you go. Drive through any country. You know, the, the cities are beautiful. We're keeping them clean. Go into rural areas. You're going to see the reality of mm-hmm. where the world is. Yeah. And we are. We are standing at the fork of two rivers. And it is, like Vaughn said, it's going to take the, the unification of non-natives, if you will, of let's go. I'm Lakota. I'm not even going to speak for a native population. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say I'm a Lakota man. And it's going to take a Lakota man who has worked with a Mohawk Cayuga man for 25 years to meet an Armenian man, to meet a Canadian man, and to meet an Italian man. To move that forward and to inspire all individuals to start speaking to each other. Mm -hmm. Start interacting with one another beyond the football game. Please. Because the future is determined by the next decisions we make within the next few months to years. Okay, we're sitting on a uh, a situation of historical repetition. Hmm. We keep repeating the same circle, and here we are, we're the United States, and we're going to hold this bars and stars up again. Are we civil? Are we? Is it really okay to blow up a guy on the on the airport? Is it okay? Do we really need to do that? No, it's a, it's a state. It's a time of information. Information is more powerful than any weapon. We know this. But we also know the holder of the sword, the holder of the weapon, will also dictate to the writer. Sure. Right? And to, that, to, the, to the, the one that's trying to bring humans into reality that, that we can prosper in. You know, and, and it's really interesting to me how small the world is mm-hmm. right now. And prophecies say in many tribes, and I'm not going to speak like I'm a tribal expert, or I'm, sure. not, I'm not a native person who's going to say, I have been given this right. No, I'm a, I'm a man. I'm a common man. I'm no different from a ladybug or a butterfly. We're just the same. They're just as important. We know this. All I know is that we need to know each other. Mm-hmm. We need to speak to one, one another. The country you live in is the United States. It's Turtle Island. If you don't know the tribe that lived in your community, I beg you to find out. If you live in Los Angeles, if you live in New York City, if you live in Texas, open your smartphone and Google what tribe lived in your community and understand that if you live and you hold acreage in the United States and if you have a mortgage, 
understand that the Comanches, the Lakota kids 20 miles from you, cannot get a mortgage on that land. Grandma doesn't own that land. So when you read Black Elk Speaks, know that these are, these are words of a man and of people that observed things around them, right? And I'm not one to be dogmatic about anything other than, man, I'm hungry or something, right? So I want to say, you know, uh, take time to just know Native people. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if, if anything comes out of this podcast, it's one thing. Please research what tribe you live because you live in their ancestral lands. When you read The Island of the Blue Dolphin, understand those people still exist. That island is just off the coast, and the Chumash people are alive and well. Lakota people are alive and well. You know, Mohawks. You've heard, no, there's more than one Mohawk. There's still Mohawks. There's Cayugas, there's Potawatomi, there's Apache, there's Navajos. There's Utes, mm-hmm. and they live right next door to you. The Prophecy Rock, Connor, you just talked about the two rivers. That's basically what's on it. Anyone listening, just Google it. It's absolutely incredible because you can see, scratched on the rock, a diagram clearly outlining what he just said about two paths. One leads to destruction, one doesn't. What are we going to choose? Are we going to come together and collaborate, or are we going to compete ourselves into... A coffin. Yeah. Oh, I just remember on that important note, I forgot. You had a shout out to make. Oh, yeah. Um, so for everybody underground and working in camps and uh, the patch listening to this, I just want to give a shout out to my brother, Arthur Ayers, and for everybody else that still is in a orange, yellow, red, or blue pair of coveralls. Um, we appreciate what you guys are doing. Love you lots. Thanks for listening to the show. So the last thing I want to add, yeah, um, I, I want to be the last person uh, since we have Native brothers here to have, to finish it. But I just want to say that uh, a society to for the society to thrive needs to be healthy first, and I think that we are bringing in, and the time has come for us to bring in uh, economic revolution through healthcare innovation to Native America, and I think that we're going to be a fine example of how things should be done across the world so thank you very much professor appreciate it thank you, thank thank you, you. guys so much thank you ready yes well, the funky music means one thing. That's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. What a delightful chat today. Yes, indeed. And fun. You guys know the drill. We mentioned all the sweet folks who support us in one way or another at the open. So please check out those websites. Yep. That's deeply appreciated. Let's go butcher some name of the sweet people who donated. Let the butchering begin. So big thank you to the sweet folks who are donating to our podcast. That's such a cool thing, you know, because realistically, nothing works for free, but is, and you know, we haven't made money ever a priority of doing Drunken Taoist at all, but it's nice to get support. So you guys are heroes for doing so. If you want to join the ranks of these noble heroes who support the podcast, easy, PayPal, 
quick donation, you can do it once, you can do it, doesn't even have to be a monthly thing, that's still deeply appreciated. So without further ado, thank you to Thomas, <laughs> Thomas, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this, Huta, maybe, H-U-H-T-A, I go for Huta, okay, Thomas Huta, Samuele Rudelli, Jim D'Amico, C. Cavana, Froggy Style Production, Matt Chebre, Jesse Rantakangas, Yanni Linnima, yes, maybe, I don't know, but we haven't heard otherwise, so we assume, uh, oh, we have um, Luis Pesquera give me a challenge with his full name, so let's go, because Luis Pesquera is easy, doable, so let's go for Luis Tabaré Pesquera Alvarez, piece of cake, anytime. Aaron Weisner, Christopher Parcel, Jonathan Waterloo, Stephen McKee, Abidali, Fazal, Thomas Robinson, and Ross Cranham. Wow. You guys are awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And that was an actual damn list right there. So impressive. The point oh, 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 0.001% club. It's harder to get on the Drunken Ties donor list than it is to make it in the billionaires in the United States, pretty much. The That's percentage true. are similar. You're, 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 yeah, this could be your moment. Get in while you can. Thank you so much, everybody. That's too kind of you to send us those fine donations to keep us alive for another hour. Deeply appreciated. If you shop on Amazon, please use our Amazon link. You need the uh, Drunken Ties t-shirts. You know where to find them. Episode notes. And in the meantime, you guys have a wonderful day. Adios. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Daniele at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been you having know, a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's. <laughs> So let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought... <coughs> Sorry. We'll, <coughs> we'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> no, that's maybe too powerful. <laughs>
What do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. Wow.